welcome to another installment of Locally Sourced Joey, the podcast that talks about anything and everything under the sun. Joined by a friend of the show, Andrew Swinney. Swinney, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Um, And both of us have lots of experience being in bands. Uh, More so, the band uh, you grew up with more, with uh, clarinets, French horns. Well, mainly French horns, less clarinets. That's all you know for clarinets, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I started playing in middle school, and then actually have my bachelor's in music and my master's in music. So yeah, I kind of know bands a little bit. Wonderful, and that of course means you have some great stories as well. Yeah, unfortunately. Dive right in. All right, all right. No segment. Just get right <laughs> Just in. Just go. There. Pressure's on. Yeah, I mean, I have tons of stories. I have stories from performing, uh, like performance nightmares. I have stories from like teaching, uh, both as like a private lesson teacher and as like a band director. Um, all of which were horrible. I mean, that's ultimately like why I chose to leave music is because um, it's funny. Like we were talking about internships this week at work. People were talking about their internships at lunch and um, complaining about how you basically have to do the lowest amount of work possible or like the, the most scummy work and you don't get paid at all and no one gives you credit. That's exactly what it's like to be a musician every single day. Um, you know, people are always trying to be like, yeah, come play for this. It's great exposure. I'm not going to pay you, but you'll have a free meal. And that that's when you think you've made it. You know what I mean? Like, that's good good news for you as a musician. So, yeah, uh, pretty much I have years and years of horrible stories, and that's why I left. Lovely. Um, but, hey, it makes for great podcast listening. Well, maybe. Well, we'll, we'll see. see, yeah. <laughs> Phone in at the end of the show. Yeah, to, right. Uh, we'll, I don't know, we'll figure out a number. You can call it. Not maybe we'll, just, we'll put your phone number yeah, at perfect. the end. Thank you. Hate mail can be directed to A. Swinney. Yeah. Uh, bot at 24. Yeah, definitely. Com. That's it. Just send it over that way. It's lovely. Um, I remember one you were talking about earlier that is fantastic about your playing test that just went uh, went downhill very quickly, where uh, you were being recorded. Yeah, yeah. So when you're doing your bachelor's in music, you have to. Uh, well, it was music education, so you have to learn to play every single instrument, um, all the woodwinds, all the brass, all the strings. You even have to take like some vocal classes, which is a story in its own right. Um, but the one instrument that like I could not do was clarinet. This is the instrument I played for several years, so yeah. this makes me smile. It just but. wasn't happening for me. I don't know, like, the fingers weren't coordinated, the reed just didn't work in my mouth, it just, like, it just wasn't working. So, because, like, the class had 30-odd people, the teacher couldn't sit there and listen to everyone's test. So what he would do is he would rent out a practice room, set up a, like an old VHS camera, and um, <laughs> you just have to go in, sit down, press record, and play your selection. So... Truthfully, I probably didn't practice enough, to be totally fair. And so the fact that I couldn't play the instrument anyway, that didn't really help. So I go to take the test, and I sit down in the chair, and start getting dry mouth, start start panicking a little bit, start freaking out, start trying to play this piece. And you have to remember that there's this added level of humiliation on top of it, because you're a musician. Like, you're, you're probably pretty good on your own instrument, so you know how bad it sounds. You're, like, aware at how hard you're failing. So I start playing, and it's, it's not going well at all, and I, I know I have to scrap this. I know I have to try and stop. So I stop playing, I look at the camera for a second, and I get up and I go hit the stop button on the, on the camcorder and try to rewind, but like, I don't know how they did this. I don't, I don't know how that works, but like, it wouldn't rewind. It would, just, it would just stop and stay on that one frame, and I could look through the viewfinder and I could see the last frame it was on. It was like me staring at the camera with the clarinet in my hand, like contemplating how to cheat. <laughs> and I just keep hitting rewind. This cold sweat comes over me. I'm like, I know I'm screwed. I know that I'm not going to be able to rewind. So not only do I have like five minutes of me sounding horrible on this tape, but I also have a couple, like a good 45 seconds of me trying to cheat. So, so I know that's not going to look like the best. Um, so now I'm thinking, okay, I have to find a way to to cover this up. I have to try and like minimize the damage now. So I uh, I come up with the genius excuse of just saying that I had to go to the bathroom. So, so I go back and I sit down and I, I hit record and I just say that I had to go to the bathroom and, and I just played and it was bad. It was real bad, man. Did you ever get uh, any consequences from that? Or oh, I failed. That, uh... I failed the test. I definitely got an F. There was never a conversation that I had to have. I didn't have to excuse my behavior beyond like saying a terrible play yeah. <laughs> but i still failed so that wasn't the best 
That's the that's the motto of that, right? Or the life lesson is that cheaters never prosper. No, no. It's just if you're gonna cheat, try harder. Or okay. yeah, try to figure something else out. Okay. A better excuse. Be better with technology. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Understand how with to do out, that. outmoded technology. I guess it sounds yeah. like a vintage VHS. In hindsight, I should have had a backup tape. Yeah. Or something. That's the key. It's basically like that Seinfeld where they replace the <laughs> yeah replace the old exactly uh, answering like machine. Seinfeld yeah. teaching us life lessons even twenty years later. It's still relevant. Still relevant today. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, but it's you know you you eventually got the degree even though you failed. I did the test. Did. Um, and then led I got to... sexually harassed by that vocal teacher oh. too. I'm not gonna say any names because who knows she might be listening. No. She probably is. Probably. Um, but yeah, that the worst class there was the vocal techniques class. I mean, you can hear my voice. It's not nice. Like no one wants to hear this. Um, but like when it sings, it's even worse. And she required you to take private lesson with her like everyone in the class had to take one before their final which was to sing in front of the class and i remember going to the class like so when you're when you're working in musician like as a musician it's all about air support right and like trying to figure out how to manipulate the air to have like the most resonant sound and uh to be really efficient in your breathing and when i went to my lesson with her she was like so hands-on and like gropey and touchy and she was like feeling all on my stomach and she's like breathe here you feel this and she was like real low too like down in like my kidney region and uh and i was like i, I guess i thought i was doing it i thought i was nailing it but apparently i wasn't because then she started taking my hands and like putting it on her and i swear she made me touch her tit i know for a fact and she like wanted to try and schedule another lesson which would have been an extra lesson more than everybody else and i had to say no i had to pass on that because i knew it was up i knew what she wanted goodness growing up dude it was brutal man <laughs> i earned that degree well it certainly sounds like it and great reward too is you got to then do some teaching i did younger younger people passing on mm-hmm. the great knowledge that you learned and mm-hmm. hopefully with uh, a lot less touching involved no no more, more. <laughs> i just didn't do it in front of everyone else um yeah so i taught middle school for a year um like fresh out of fresh out of college in South Louisiana. And I mean, the school systems in Louisiana are broken anyway. Those are terrible. And I've blocked out a lot of those memories um, just for my own safety. I do remember a couple things. Like I remember this one girl broke her leg because she was climbing on a, like a, a stair banister and then fell down the stairs. And she came to class and it was clearly broken and gnarlied up. And, like, I tried to send her home, but she refused to go because she was just, like, being so defiant. Um, and then her mom ended up suing the school. I remember that. Um, I do remember this one kid. His name was Crichton. I probably shouldn't use their real names. I don't know. I think that's probably, like, a... <laughs> you can stop it over if you want. <laughs> well, just... Okay, forget it. I just want to say his last name. Uh, he was this kid who, like, just wanted to play percussion. He was a sixth grader just learning. And I hated him. I absolutely hated him. He was so bad. He never listened to anything I said. Would always just like, had the worst mallet technique. You know what I mean? Wouldn't, wouldn't keep him close to the keys. Would always just like flail his wrist around. And the way he was hitting the, the mallet on like the marimba, it made it such like a sharp ping sound. So every time he played, it would just piss me off more and more and like get in my head and make me madder. So it became this battle between he and I. And when you're teaching a band class, and what you have to remember is that you're in front of 50 kids and you have to be on top of all of them because if you let one, if you let like one portion slip for too long, not have attention for more than like 45 seconds, they will turn on you. And then once one has turned, they, it'll spread like wildfire. So you have got to be like a total dictator in the classroom and be on top of them at all times. Well, so Crichton was the one who like always started problems and I was especially on him. So I'd have to come up, and, and the thing is, is that if you would just say a punishment to a student, they would fight you. They'd like try and argue it, they'd like fuss, they'd be super pissy. So you almost have to like trick them into being punished. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I remember my favorite thing to do was to try and trick Crichton into doing like horrible, horrible things. So I would, um, I'd be like, all right, Crichton, go ahead and put your mallets down on your keyboard. So you put him down. I'm like, okay, now I want you to walk over to my desk over there. And so like he'd walk over to the desk. I'm like, okay. Now cry, and I want you to crouch down. So you're on your haunches. And so he'd like squat down. I'd be like, alright, now I want you to waddle like a duck underneath my desk. 
and then he'd do that. I'd be like, all right, band, everyone else start at measure 25. And so he would just be like squatting down underneath my desk for the rest of class. And, uh, and of course, like not only is it humiliating, but I don't know, it's not the most comfortable thing. So that was my favorite punishment. And one time I made him stand in the corner of the room with like his nose in the corner for the rest of the class. That was good too. Like a true dictator. Well, he was bad. Like, in my defense, this kid was bad. He deserved to be punished. He deserved a lot worse. I was trying to give him discipline. Like, I don't feel guilty for what I did. I don't feel like I did anything wrong. He definitely deserved it. In my defense. Sure. Yeah, yeah I'm sure the court will see it that way, too. <laughs> I think it's a lot. I don't think no, there are charges. I, I mean, having... I don't necessarily have teaching experience like that, but having worked at summer camps, it can be rough. Especially, I mean, especially the kids that don't want to be there. It's just... Well, and when public school, no kid wants to be yeah. there. There isn't a single one who wants to be there. It's horrible. Um, yeah, it was the worst. And, and what made that situation much worse, too, was the supervising teacher. Um, so, like, I was an assistant band director. So, like, even when I was doing all this, punching this kid, there was, like, an adult uh, watching me do it, and he was totally okay with it. So, <laughs> if anything, he, if anyone wants to sue, he's the man. He's the man, all right. Um, but, yeah, so he was probably... 320 pounds like he was a big boy and uh he was on the atkins diet at the time which meant that he would kill like a chicken for lunch you know what i mean or like four hamburger patties that he had made at home and he was constantly sipping on diet coke constantly all day long and i remember three distinct about things about him the first one was that uh you know our desks were in the big band room so even when you're conducting you could see what the other teacher was doing and the only thing he would ever do is look at, like, swimsuit models online. That's the only thing he would do. The second thing I really remember about him is he would use his baton, you know, like the conducting wand, to scratch his genitals while he was on the podium in front of the kids. Oh, wow. And then the third thing I remember is we had a, um, like, a fundraiser, you know, where kids would go and sell, I think it was, like, chocolates or boxes of cookies or something. It was, you know, like the yeah. Girl Scouts do. They go and they sell these, they have this, like, pamphlet of all this overpriced crap, take it around the neighborhood, um, and we collect like a really, really small portion of it and they get prizes. Um, those are the worst things in the world. Like they never end up raising actually any money. The amount of work that they put on you is so much more. It's, it was just horrible. But I remember one day we're in this tiny little practice room. Practice rooms are maybe like six foot by six foot. Um, no windows, no ventilation, just like cinder block walls and a door. Um, and so we're in there because that's where all the prizes are. And we're trying to like create the bags for each kid to say like what prizes they won and everything or uh, what they've earned. And I don't know if he thought he was being sneaky or... So I'm, I'm on the ground kneeling down, putting the prizes into the bag. He's standing up being like, Joseph, uh, he gets a bouncy ball, a wristband, and a, a cup holder. You know, and then going to the next kids. But he starts like just ripping them, just letting them go. Just farting while I'm kneeling down in this closed, confined space with like zero ventilation and like I'm at butt cheek level and like he's standing up and he's just going. And I mean, it was several times. The first one I thought, okay, accidents happen, we're cool. But like time three or four, I knew it was like personal, you know what I mean? I knew it was like, it was aimed at me. So yeah, I only did that job for a year and then I left. I left the state. I couldn't, I couldn't be in Louisiana any longer. That's left. fantastic. Yeah, that's the final straw is just get up. And leave. That actually, the prizes reminds me of another band story I have. And uh, <laughs> we we sold cheesecakes uh-huh. was um, in in high school at least. And one of my friends, I was very like he'd listen to other people if they told him to do something that was mm-hmm. kind of stupid. And so all these cheesecakes, um, we'd have the boxes like the empty boxes just stacked up in the band room. And this was like towards the end of the year, so we weren't playing or anything. We just like hang out during class and then leave. And so there was a box or a stack of maybe like 60 boxes. And one of my friends tells this other guy, like, go jump in those boxes. Why not? You know, end of the year. And so my friend trying to be discreet about it just kind of acts like he's walking and then just like trips into them, knocks them all over. The bandit instructor is there and sees this whole thing happen. Are there yells cheesecakes at him. in them still? No, no, no. Oh, okay. These are just empty boxes. Yeah, didn't, didn't ruin the cheesecakes, but... So this is something that had like meticulously, yeah. If he if he ruined all those cheesecakes, I'm sure it would have been great. But um, fortunately, they were in a safer place than his face and rear end. But he just went, like went right into it, got yelled out, like shoot out in front of the whole class, and had to put all the boxes back. 
And so this was like, you know, we're all just watching this and like shaking our heads like, you know, typical. And then somehow, this was like with less than 10 minutes to go, somehow before we leave, he was convinced to do it again and did it before <laughs> we left. And this is a very intelligent guy who I won't say what he's doing now because everyone will know it's with the government. who I'm talking about. <laughs> it's not with the government, but it's a, it's a profession that is a very, you know, a lot of people depend on oh throughout, the, throughout their lives. Um, but That's terrifying. Yeah. And I'm a very, sure, very I'm smart sure. kid, too. So, and it's you know, it's just high school peer pressure. We'll chalk it up to that. Well, in high school, people, like, your sense of, I don't know, just, like, common sense isn't there. Oh. It's just not developed. You have no idea. And I remember, like, some of the funniest things that have ever happened to me were in high school. You know, I remember specifically, like, which, when you were telling a story, I just thought of this one. But, like, I had a friend, Avery, who... Um, we were always allowed to eat in the band hall during lunch. And that was awesome because you escaped like just the nonsense of the cafeteria, like how much that sucked, waiting in lines. and So we just go straight there, eat our lunch. And I remember he brought uh, pizza one day. And so it was like wrapped in tinfoil. And as soon as he got done eating the, the, t- the pizza, he just like folded the tinfoil up into a penis. And he was like, <laughs> just like filleting himself on the ground. <laughs> he was just like sitting Indian style, going to town on himself. And I remember our band director walked up and it was just like, Avery. And Avery slowly is like holding the tinfoil there as if it is his own genitals. And he just slowly looks up, up at the band director and makes eye contact while the tinfoil is still there. And God, I can just see it like so vivid in my mind still. Just see him sitting on the floor pretending to suck himself off. Just God. Yeah, but that's high school, you know. I don't just, understand how my story made you think of that. But that's I just fantastic. think about being in the band hall. I don't know. Oh, nice. Yeah. And There's... being stupid. There's lots of memories. We had another guy who would uh, he played oboe, mm-hmm. and he knows who he is if he's listening, because there were only two of you that I know that played oboe. And is these just your friends that listen to this? Is that what you're telling me? Oh, now? there's no, there's all there's a great audience, but all of my friends also listen to it. So I'm saying I only know two people who play oboe, and one of them was <laughs> consistently good. The other one was not so much, and somehow throughout his entire career, I think was able to get away with not having a working read. Like, it just broke one time, just kept it up. And anytime you know, our, our instructor would be listening to, like, just the woodwinds, mm-hmm. and he's like, okay, clarinets drop out, and it's, like, just oboes and flutes. He's like, okay, the two oboes. And then they'd be playing, and clearly there's the bad sound coming from there. So then he's like, okay, you play, and it would be all right. And then he'd go to the other guy and be like, you play. And it was just the worst-sounding thing you can imagine. And he'd just be like, ah, oh, you know, my read, it's... Something's wrong with it. Something... Well, the truth is, is like a band director, like there are instruments that you just don't know anything about. And the two of them are French horn and oboe. Well, and bassoon. No one knows anything about those three instruments. And so, like, if you're a kid and you play those, you can get away with murder. Because they, the worst thing that'll happen is they'll be like, go home and practice. That's like all they'll ever say. They'll never try and work with you because they're just afraid. Like, they don't know what's going on. They're going to, like, make themselves look, make themselves look like idiots. So, uh, yeah, I, I remember just getting away with murder. I remember like the bassoon sat in front of us and we just never practice, never do anything. But yeah, if you have kids uh, and you want them to like get scholarships, those are the three, three instruments to go for if they get good because everyone on those instruments suck, basically. That's true. A lot of people, we are, one of our French horn players would just get up during class, like walk around. Yeah. Sometimes do like jumping jacks or something, just kind of toss his French horn back yeah. and forth with someone and it was... It was amazing. No one saw it. Well, like, we saw it from, yeah. from our perspective, but instructor never did. Well, and they just need French horns so badly that they'll just put up with it. Yeah. Yeah, you just get with whatever you want. I uh, should have played a less common instrument. I got I to know. do drums sometimes, though. That was good. A little suspended cymbal. A little percussion Got skills. to uh, strike it with a quarter one time. It actually said, like, strike with coin in the piece of music. And I was so worried, like, the night of the performance that I dropped the coin. And I'm like, Shut why up. do I do that? So I had, like, a bunch <laughs> of extra coins in my pocket just in case, like, I threw one by accident. I'm like, nope, just get another one. Keep it going. Is that true? Yeah. Oh this is God. a true story, yeah. Why weren't you playing clarinet? Uh, it was just for that song. I had to get up from clarinet, which is, like, first and second row. Yeah. And walk all the way back to percussion. I'm like, I'm going to trip. I'm going to drop something. I thought my clarinet would just fall because I had to just leave it on my chair. Yeah, or you come back and sit on it. Yeah, and then somehow made it without a hitch um, and then learned from people in the audience they couldn't even hear my cymbal anyway. Yeah, no one knew. They had no idea. But those kind of stories are, those are actually my favorite. You know, like teaching stories are funny, but like performance crash and burns are my favorite because when you teach, yeah, it can be awkward or whatever, but there's not that same like moment of panic as when you're performing and everyone's there 
And I mean, performances are high pressure situations anyway. There's like a lot of adrenaline flowing, and you get nervous. But when something goes like horribly, horribly wrong, God, those are just like the funniest things. You can't, you can't even indulge the humor at the time, right? Because yeah. you're on stage, people are looking, they'll see if you're laughing. You can't laugh because people are listening. So it's like the most high pressure thing. And I think, I think my biggest performance fail was um, I used to be in a brass quintet. So it's uh, two trumpets, French horn, trombone, and tuba. And when we were in college, we were very competitive, uh, like a lot of competitions, but we we're also really active in like the greater Baton Rouge area. We'd go play at churches every weekend because it's easy money. You just go to one service, you make like a hundred bucks. It's super easy. And there was this one church we played at where it was out in the country and it was a really, really long church. And at the one end, there was like the altar or whatever, I don't know what it's called, altars where they do the sermon. And at the very back of it, there was a small balcony with maybe three rows of pews in it. And that's where we would sit. We'd sit up in the balcony. We had it all to ourselves. And then the rest of the congregation would be below us. So that was awesome because you could kind of cut up. Like you weren't always being watched. You could like relax, drink water, whatever. And um, we would do two services back to back. At the very, we had been like killing it that morning. We've been sounding so good, which is kind of unusual for a Sunday morning. And our trumpet player was getting real excited. He was like, guys, come on, for the end, this is the, like the very last piece. He's like, come on, let's stand up. Let's like really just go to town on this. And I was like, why? Who cares? Like there's only 50 people down there. Like it's just church. It's just the recessional. Like no one cares. Let's just stay sitting. Who, you know, just get it done. Go home. But he was so excited that he eventually like talked us into it. And one of our trumpet players reaches for the stand. And on the stand, you have like a long pole, right? Which kind of like holds it up. And then you have the actual stand that holds the music. And usually those two are kind of like just held together by tension, right? It's like pushed down and wedged on so that uh, it's like one pipe fitting into another and the pressure keeps them together. Well, that wasn't the case on his. So as he goes to raise his stand, the head of the stand pops off and flies over the side oh, no. of the balcony. So he has like his binder of music, his hymnal, which we we're playing from, and then probably like 150 loose sheets of music that he wedged into his binder all fly over the edge of the balcony. And like the the paper just, I don't know, it, it was like someone threw like a bucket of leaves. It just goes, whoosh, and like the, like the paper starts falling down the congregation. And then the hymnal, the binder, and the stand just like smack this woman in the head. And like, we're supposed to be playing. And he doesn't have his music. He's just giving this old woman a concussion. And uh, he just like pauses and looks and he goes like, what do, what do I do? What do I do? We're like, go downstairs, get your music. But man, I will never forget. That's like one of the happiest moments of my life. You know what I mean? Just sitting there and seeing my friend of years like be stuck in this awkward position where he has to go down and face this woman who he's just like hit in the head and, and explain himself. God, it just felt so good. It's like one of my favorite moments, man. That's magical. Did he get the music back in time? Yeah, yeah. The so the people had like started gathering it as soon as it like snowflaked down on him. So he got the music, we played it, we still got paid. Um, but soon after we, we stopped getting asked back. So. so that's the beginning of the end. Right yeah, that was the beginning of the end. But it was it was fun. I glad like going back if I had to trade a year another year's worth of working there for that story. No. Definitely definitely worth watching it happen. <laughs> that's magical. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can top that. Well, I've had I've just had more opportunities yeah, than you. You really yeah. have. I'm sure you have your own like incredibly awkward stories. Oh, we've got plenty. Right? That's a good segue <laughs> into the top three. All right, all right. I love right. it. Uh, so we're gonna do top three memories from school unrelated mm-hmm. to band. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll mix it up a little bit. You want me to start or are you yeah, gonna you gonna you do what we'll do we'll, we can alternate. Okay. So you're, you give one. I'll start with one that I actually I don't know why, but I referenced it the other day. Um, I was in first grade. And I had a really stern teacher in first grade. Uh, and I don't know if this was legal or not, but you were at, she would paddle us. Like you had three bears that hung on the wall. And when you got your bears pulled, she would, um, if you had all three pulled, you'd get spanked with this huge paddle. It looked like a cricket bat from, you know, the game cricket. And I'd had a rough week. I had two bears pulled, right? So I was on like thin ice. And it was... Um, Friday. I just had to get through the day and then my bears would refill and I was good to go. But we also had a test on like a spelling test. We also had to write the letter X about a hundred times. And it was the very last thing of the day and the teacher said, okay, we just have this one last test. No one raise their hand. No one do anything. If you raise your hand, if you ask a question, if you make any disturbances, you're getting your bear pulled. 
So the consequences are set, right? I have to be quiet and just do this test until I go home, otherwise I'm getting paddled. So um, it's very, very clear in my mind. So I'm taking the test and I have to pee desperately. <laughs> like so unbelievably bad and I just start, I just start pissing. I start peeing in my pants. And uh, that's humiliating, that sucks. Even as a kid, you know that sucks. Um, and I remember strangely, like as I'm doing the test, I, I remember writing the letter X on like that, that paper that has the dotted line in between the two lines so you can like do uppercase and lowercase. I remember writing it there while peeing. And the only thought I had in my head was how bad I felt for the janitor. I was like, God, he's gonna have to come and like clean my piss chair. <laughs> Because I peed my pants. That was like the only thing I thought about. But then I, uh, I got up to go turn in the test, and my jeans, of course, are soaked. And I remember this girl behind me. She goes, "Bob, did you just piss your pants?" And and all I could say to her was, uh, "No, no. I this is a very big test. I was very nervous, so I just have a sweaty butt." And that was it. That was it, man. That was a very fond memory of first grade. How'd you do on the test? I passed first grade, so... Nice. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. That was 100% of your grade. Thank God pissing your yeah. pants wasn't a test, you know? <laughs> well, I, f I feel like this is going to be a trend, but it seems like your memories are more devastating, whereas mine are well, a little more enjoyable. I had a rough childhood, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that explains why I went to music. I don't know. <laughs> Entirely possible. Um, well, on a slightly lighter note... Um, I'll bring it down again, don't okay, worry. Okay, I'm excited. Yeah, we raise it up. Peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. My, I'm going to lump two of these together because they were they happened pretty close to each other, but it was um, two projects we had in seventh grade, and actually, looking down, two of my memories are from seventh grade, so this is going to be a lot of seventh grade. Um, but we did a road trip project where we got to just go on a road trip for like two weeks and had to journal each entry and like keep a budget and everything. It was a great like lesson for life. I've not taken a two-week road trip but i've done some some long you know vacations mm -hmm. since then um and the the lessons i learned from this project were definitely helpful um the reason i remember it is because we were only we only had two people or two other people plus me so three people total in our group and other groups had four or five people and of course your budget was higher the more people you had but it wasn't like our trip was shorter because we had a budget so we had to uh just some of our days we did nothing like Every, everyone else, like, their journal, it was like, oh, we went to this museum today. It was like, oh, we went to this, you know, event down the road today. For us, it was, no, we had to, like, make up some stuff. I'm pretty sure there was one where it was just us sleeping in the car. It was the, the entire, like, bulk of the journal. And we tried to split it up, um, but the, the writing was not always uh, consistent, both just in time and quality, I would say. Um, and just, it was, it was fantastic. The one I remember the most was I... I was writing how we were trying to get some more money because of how you know shoddy our budget was um, because we're just three seventh graders we don't have a lot of money although I think we had like eighteen hundred dollars total which is I'm sure you guys just not, blew it oh just yeah. blew through it we things. very quickly all of it all of it was spent on the rental car which was like a Prius. who drove this I think we just assumed we drove in didn't you say this was from seventh grade yeah I think we just I think it was just like assume you all have licenses and can drive. That's a great question. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't thought of it until just now. I just assumed we were all 16 in seventh grade, but that's clearly not the case. Um, but we, I, I, I said we got a job at Santa's, um, and we all just had terrible luck at it. Like one, I think I was the one who kept dropping the kids. Someone else got peed on. I didn't want to get peed on, but there it is. So both, both of our stories involved uh, a lap getting peed on. And I think the third one just got too hot in the suit or something. I just had to like get it because... <laughs> Uh, we also went to a baseball game later, so it was in the middle of summer, which is maybe why our Santa didn't work very well, just because of the timing. That's the it. worst people, idea. Yeah. It's like the worst time to do people it. People in July. Well, that's why we didn't make any extra money. It was great. Because <laughs> I, I think I remember asking, I'm like, can we get jobs to like get more money? And they were like, no. <laughs> that wouldn't be an interesting diary. Um, but I'm going to pair it with uh, a radio <laughs> drama that we got to do back in... Also in seventh grade. Same class? Possibly sixth grade. Um, well, the two teachers in seventh grade, there were two, um, I don't think they called it English back then. I think it was like language arts, uh -huh. kind of. Um, they got married over, they had been dating for a while and got married, I think, the summer before we started with them. Um, and Scandals. so they, you know, periodically do kind of like mix the classes together mm -hmm. and do some projects with that. And so that was, I think both of these were that. Um, I had the woman teacher who I had heard negative things about, but she was like one of my favorite teachers <laughs> of all time. So you just gotta, you have to make your own 
decisions. Who's your least favorite teacher? Hmm. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, that's much no. more interesting to me. You know what I mean? Like, it is. Obviously, all my memories have been horrible, but that's that's what makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know if I've had any like super ones. All right, I don't want to name any names either. But my uh, advisor, just call it Crichton. Yeah, <laughs> my advisory teacher Crichton in uh, <laughs> high school. Like I don't, I, I can't really say it was bad because we only had her for like twenty five minutes of the day. But I got, <laughs> I got the impression like if I had a full class with her, I just, uh-huh. I couldn't stand it. Um, but not, it was more just kind of she just seemed kind of like airy, and yeah. I, I felt like I wouldn't be able to take the class. I can. She wasn't my worst teacher, but one of the worst moments. This is gonna be top three, turning into like top twenty-seven. Um, she you can edit the rest out. We'll just change. Nah, the it's fine. It's all good. <laughs> Whatever. That's what segues are for. Um, she, I got a detention for asking for a pizza party one time. Um, myself and two other students, uh, and the whole class always asked for pizza parties. This was a Spanish class, and then did you ask in Spanish? Uh, both, okay. both English and Spanish, because she had promised it. Uh, after, like, if, if enough people got, like, an A on a test or something, she was like, pizza party. But I guess she had promised it in jest, but we, you know, being high school kids, were like, no, that's serious. Like, that's your word. And so we had to, um, oh, uh, my microphone's falling everywhere. Um, we, so, uh, you know, people would still periodically ask, and then one class she said, she said this in Spanish, but from what I understood, because that was when I, <laughs> I studied Spanish every day back then, so I feel like I had a pretty good concept of it but she said if anyone asks again you're getting a detention so right. i didn't talk the rest of that class right. like at all and then at the end of the class she came over to me and two other kids and it was like detention and i was like i'm sorry why like i didn't say anything um and it it worked out incredibly well because normally so the detention at our school was mm-hmm. like 20-ish minutes 25 mm-hmm. minutes after the last class ended, but I was in band last, which went an extra like 15, 20 minutes. So I had to like sprint. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, that class we had a substitute. So I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, I have, I think I said I have basketball practice. Can I leave like 10 minutes early? Because right. normally I did have basketball practice right after. But that day, the girls got practice first in the afternoon. So our practice was at night. So mm-hmm. it was like the perfect storm of like, I could get out of band early, get to detention on time, and then <laughs> still go to practice and not miss it. Uh, and so that was. That was probably the worst like moment I've had with a teacher, but was that the most trouble you've ever been in, like at school? Probably. That's the only detention really? I ever got. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I've done worse. I've done worse. That's the only time you got but, caught. Yeah. Sneaky. Yeah. I got, I got detention a lot in high school. I could see it. But it was like um, it was like an all day detention. Oh. Yeah, and like you would show up and you wouldn't go to any of your classes. You just had to go to this one room, and they would give you like the student code handbook. And you would just have to copy it page after page after page. And I remember, like, I don't know why. I, I can't remember the teacher's name that ran it. He That, that was his only job, was just to run detention. And um, after lunch, he was famous for this. After lunch, you would have he would have nap time. And he would say, like, this is in high school, not kindergarten. And he would say, if you take your head up, you're going to have to keep writing. No one lift their head up. No one look behind you. And so there was all these like rumors about what he was doing whenever everyone's head was down. Because of course you've been writing for like five hours. So the last thing you want to do is get slammed with more writing. So you're going to take the head down. You're going to take like the nap time. But God, what was he doing for those like 30 minutes where no one was allowed to lift their head? Yeah. Maybe uh, Tai Chi. I had a study hall teacher who would do that. He'd, <laughs> he'd do like martial arts while we... Seriously? With, yeah, like while we were like working on our things, like he'd just do it up in the class, like nothing. It wasn't super loud or distracting or anything, but it was. It's still strange. Visually, yeah. it is very yeah. loud and distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Ian I. Ian is totally silent. Then That's... I realized that was my last class of the day that year, so I was like, "Why don't I just go home?" Yeah. Just skip that. I think I I worked that out eventually to be able to leave early, which is always a good thing in my mind. But yeah, definitely. Uh, top memory number two. We've top memory got, number two. We've gotten okay. a little a little off track, but that's what podcasts are for, right? Uh, top memory number two, I think, would be from fifth grade, and I um, had a pretty good group of friends in fifth grade. Uh, it was myself, this guy named Grant, Colin, and Micah, and uh, four of us would always hang out at recess, play a lot of tetherball, but we'd also go to um, there's like a big cluster of trees at the very very far end of the back uh, back of the playground, and We'd go hang there and just like mess around with pine cones and like draw things. And I remember my teacher, she was horrible. She was so mean and just, she sucked. She was a terrible woman. Um, 
And one day she did something to like really piss me off. I forget what it was. But I remember I spent the entire rest of that class period um, drawing a picture of her having sexual relations with a nerd. Because I remember like in fifth grade, I, I guess I would be like 19, like 95 for me. Yeah, 1995. Like back then, the biggest insult was like to call someone a nerd. You know what I mean? So to have her like having sex with a nerd was just like the ultimate shame. And I remember I drew her looking like an ogre and it was like really graphic. I don't, I don't know what this is saying about me. Like maybe I need to go talk to a therapist, but that's what I drew. I remember it was on this like red piece of construction paper that had been like wadded up in that cubby hole that was inside like those metal desks, you know. And I brought it out to the playground and I showed it to my guys. I was so excited to show them because I knew they'd start cracking up. And Colin, something, as soon as Colin saw it, something changed in his mind. Like, I could see the wires connect in his brain. He started cracking up. He loved it. And he asked if he could keep it. And I was like, yeah, sure thing, brother. So he keeps it. But every single day after that, he would spend like the entire day just drawing similar pictures in his notebook. And that was like his treasured notebook. He took it everywhere with him for the rest, for like the next four weeks. And it wasn't just teachers. Like no one had to set him off to make him mad. He would just draw perverted things constantly. I remember he drew a picture of this girl, Valerie, in our class. I remember he drew a picture of the vice principal. He drew a picture of this guy who was like standing as a fountain peeing. I, like he would just draw all these like weird, weird, lewd photos. And so one day we're sitting in class and... Um, I'll call her Miss M. I don't know. I mean, I use her real names for everyone else, but I'll just call her Miss no, M. No, all these names are fake. <laughs> uh, can still so, salvage that. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess so. Anyway, so she Ms. stops. Crichton. She's Miss Crichton, Crichton stops teaching, and she just kind of stands there for a little bit and watches him. And he doesn't know because he's so engrossed with what he's doing. And uh, I, I just remember her watching him, and he's like furiously drawing. And then she walks up, and she just like, as she gets within about five feet he realizes what's happening and he tries desperately to close the notebook and like stuff it inside another book and like get it inside of his desk just try to like get rid of the evidence as fast as possible but it's too late it's too late and so she grabs it and snatches it up and she just stands in the front of the classroom dead silent micah grant and i are all looking at each other turning like bright red trying not to laugh like crying just looking at Colin's white face with his mouth wide open as she stands in front of the class flipping through each page like looking at these photos total dead expression so then after she's gone through the entire book she goes up and that was when we had like intercoms you remember so she goes up to the intercom pushes the button and she asks for the vice principal to come down so we sit there in total silence and we wait the five minutes for the vice principal to come into the classroom the vice principal gets there, they have like a little pow in the back of the classroom, and then she, the vice principal takes the notebook, walks back to the front of the classroom, and then proceeds to show every single page to the class, like hold it up in front of it. And God, just seeing Colin's face. Oh, God, was so, he was so white and his mouth was so open. Like total shock and disbelief about what was happening. But yeah, that was one of my favorite memories. He had to transfer, like oh, two weeks later, I had to leave the school, but... That's... <laughs> That was a fun day, man. That was a good day. <laughs> I still feel a little responsible, to be honest. I feel like yeah, I set that off. Yeah, you kind of did. Yeah. I feel like I gave him like his first like hit of cocaine or something, but like, yeah, I feel like I broke him. But it was still funny. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, he's recovered from now. We'll, well see. You have to take responsibility maybe for yourself at some yeah. point. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. There's, there's a certain time where it's just got to be you. <laughs> Can't blame it on Crichton anymore. Um... <laughs> Goodness, my stories are pale in comparison. I'll mix it up. I'll put the other seventh grade one last. We'll we'll uh, bookend it with um, I played basketball throughout mm -hmm. junior high and high school, um, and plenty of different memories throughout that. Um, but probably my favorite one was uh, our team was very bad in mm -hmm. high school, um, and you know very rarely uh, were there any opportunities for like a buzzer beater shot of any any variety. Um, <laughs> And I actually ended up making a game-winning shot in uh, intramurals in college, but this doesn't, I don't think that counts. That, that's different from school, um, <laughs> uh, which was great. It was like a half-court shot. It was great. Um, but What's it like uh, to be happy? What does that feel like? It's pretty nice. Yeah. We had like, it, they stormed the court, you know, it was like seven God, people. sounds great. Um, but we played this. Much better than pissing your pants. Yes. Yes. Or at any point yeah. um, in time. Uh, we played 
We played uh, a Thanksgiving tournament at York High School, um, mm-hmm. but York also hosted it. So it was basically like three home games for them and then like road games mm-hmm. for the other teams. Um, and I think there were like, you know, seven or eight teams in it. So we the first game we were playing York, um, and this was also, I believe, my first uh, varsity basketball game. Um, and uh, I was at the free throw line while the other team was shooting. We're down like 13, 14 points. Um, and... Uh, the guy makes the free throw, and like while he was shooting, one guy on my team, he's like, hey, this one's for Joey, because they know I make like half-court shots. That's like, what I do during practice. And so he gets it to me. There's like five seconds left. I just dribble down. I hear the crowd. They're like, oh, make a 14-pointer. And then so I, I pull up and shoot like a jump shot. For, like little you know, high school Joey. Normally, I'd have to like jump, like get the running start and shoot. But I literally just like pulled up like a jump shot from half court and make it. And the crowd just was silent. It was like right at the buzzer. The crowd was like silent for a second. And then they like they started murmuring and they're like, okay, well, we still won by 11. But like for that (laughs) couple of seconds, I was just like, yes, silence the crowd. I wanted to like look over at them, make the like dagger face. And then I was like, no, we still lost them. So that's not the best. But you got the glory. Yeah. I mean, like, sure, you lost on paper, but. But yeah, written up the next day in the in the newspaper, it was like boy makes half court shot, team still loses. They didn't bother uh, researching your name, huh? No, it's just just boy, just some kid. But I actually really enjoyed that tournament. We we won, I think, one out of the four games there because we played a team worse than us. You know that's not a good right. No, 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 it's okay. not. But it's better just than so you know. it's better than zero and four. That <laughs> team went zero and four. Um, but we uh, we got we got these shirts where it's like a turkey dunking a basketball because uh-huh. it was like right around Thanksgiving and. <laughs> It's it's a great shirt. Like it was like super comfortable. I still have it at home in Chicago and wear it when I go home. Um, but just the turkey's face while he's dunking. It's like simultaneous like anger and excitement. It's kind of like Richard Sherman, I guess, dunking a basketball, but far, you know, less vulgar and and in your face. It's just like a very excited like animated turkey. School um, shirts were the best though. Yeah, like, and I'm actually wearing a school shirt right now. But yeah, I love those, man. They're there you go. always we'll, we'll like put that so... as the uh, the visual for this podcast. It's Definitely. A shirt. Yeah. Well, this is one that I went to. This is for a middle school that I, I worked for when I lived in Houston. Um, performed with them uh, in one of their concerts. Very. Uh, I, I don't mean to brag, but I was the best person in the room. Nice. You know what I mean? Granted, they were all in sixth grade, but like, smoked them. <laughs> smoked them. Yeah, school That's shirts fair. are always weird. They really are. But good times. I miss, play, I miss playing basketball regularly. Got to find a place out here. It just doesn't. There's not really any places in Austin. It's, like, too hot outside most of the time. People don't want to do it. Well, and then, then when you're an adult, it's, like, I don't know. It's rough to find time. It's tough. No. It's hard, man. Getting old sucks. No. Don't do it. Avoid it. <laughs> I feel like that's, like, the fourth time I've said that in a podcast. I should probably you know, turn what, it off. Well, but one, one little bit of advice is, like, because we'll, I've said so many negative things, I'm going to give one little, like, inspiring thing that does, yeah. like, matter for me. I remember when I was working for the Milwaukee Symphony, um, the Crichton Symphony, it was, uh, <laughs> I was talking to like one of our old donors. He was super, super rich. He had worked for like the railroad. He had ran like one of these like major railroad nice. lines for a while. He did like public housing for a while. Um, and I remember him he just like, he had to be 70 something, like late 70s. And he was, he told me that like the philosophy, his like one mantra was that the good die young. And not because they actually die like a young age, but because they find a way to, like, be perpetually young and like that's the one thing that's like really stuck out with me and i don't know being an adult does suck like paying taxes and like going to work and everything but that one little like glimmer of the good die young and, and like the perspective that he had and uh, what a cool dude that it stuck with me man nice yeah it's the little things in life right? yeah that wipes away the whole pee story it really does but you still have one more though we oh haven't... all right well good i was thinking maybe we should have we should have uh, reversed that and put that little nice nugget of wisdom at the end but no. but no. no you'll just bring us down Hindsight. again now. go yeah. for it uh, I got punched in the face. So. <laughs> no, in middle school, I got in a lot of fights. I got, um, I, I'm 160 pounds, 5'11", ladies. Uh, so, but I've weighed 160 pounds since fifth grade. So when I was four foot tall, I also weighed 160 pounds, which meant I was a square. I was like perfectly square child. Uh, I have curly hair, and back in the day, the style was a butt cut. Right, so I would try and do that skater we need to butt find a cut, picture. <laughs> and and the hair around the sides would curl. So I kind of like had a Julius Caesar like crown okay. going on. You know, like sort of sort of Bozoey the clown. Yeah, style? yeah. Okay. Okay. Unfortunately, yes. And then I also had braces. I would wear flannel shoes. Uh, I actually had two pairs. One was red, and one was green. And so I mixed and matched. I'd have the left shoe that was red, one was green. Christmas, nice. Yeah. Um, and then of course I'd have like 
a shirt that had like a dragon erupting from a volcano. Um, so I, I wasn't I wasn't really like fashion forward. Um, so I got in a lot of fights, but I, I don't even remember why this fight happened. Um, but we were we were. You must in, have just been jealous of your outfit. Well, it was Grant. It was my boy from that fifth grade class that punched me in my teeth. But so we're we're in seventh grade now, and we went to DC and. Um, I remember my parents made a deal with me. They said, if you, like, well, whatever money, we're going to give you a certain amount of money for food on this trip. And I had to put in some of my own money, too. And they said, whatever you have left, you can keep. And I was right when Warcraft 2, the battle chest was coming out. So um, I did not care what I was eating. I didn't care. Like, I was saving all that money because when I came home, I was buying that video game. And um, I just have, like, a really vivid memory of how this all played out. I was in Union Station, like in Washington, DC, and I was eating an essentially perfect untouched pretzel out of the trash to save on like my dinner budget. And I just remember Grant like punching me in the face like as I was doing this, but the braces like cut into his knuckles and you have so much bacteria in your mouth. And so that got into his hand and like a week later, his hand, his right hand was all swollen and black from like my mouth in this dumpster pretzel. And so uh, he had to like go to the hospital and have his hand drained and like stitched up and stuff. So even though I was when I got punched in the face, I still feel like I won that fight. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I kicked his ass. Yeah. I felt, I felt pretty good about Sounds it. Sounds like you so, healed a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Did you finish the pretzel after you did it or no? Or was that it? So I don't remember that part. I did get the game. I did buy the video game. Nice. So that was good. I remember from that trip too, we also had um, like a real cheap motel room. I mean, I don't know why they took us. They didn't. Shouldn't have taken us and put us in a motel room, <laughs> but it had like the scrambled HBO porn, hmm. and I just remember like squinting and looking at it basically static on the TV and being like, "Oh, it's a tit!" You know, I'm like me and Grant and Michael were just like so excited to be seeing this vague outline that was probably just like our imagination. By just an elbow, it. yeah. Or something, yeah. <laughs> Man, middle school was rough. It's actually nice, just like a camera operator. <laughs> it's like get out of the shot, Grant. So yeah, that was, I said it's. One of my, my more vivid memories that trip. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always love the school trips. That probably could have been another. That would be entire. That should yeah. have been another memory. That's that's the next podcast. Is best, school story. You could have school stories trips. for days. Oh yeah. You know what I mean, that could be an entire like an entire podcast series just dedicated to it. You know. And it might have like to be a, Yeah, it might have to be the theme. It's just <laughs> your your sad sad life growing up in school. Well, I was saying more in general, like everyone oh. said, but oh yeah, we made it real personal and specific. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, oh it's the it's the general you, not specifically. I wish we hadn't said my like. name at the very beginning of this. I wish I could go as Crichton go at this point. <laughs> we'll just bleep it. Anytime we say a name, we'll just. That <laughs> actually that. takes a lot of work on this computer. Um, so so we'll, yeah, it's not going to happen. No, Great. probably won't. Um, but yeah, my my third memory is uh, going back to seventh grade. We'll rewind. Uh, we had a lock-in. We also had a high school lock-in, but that was nowhere near as fun. The seventh grade one is fantastic. Um, and you've never had this, so no. for the uh, two listeners who don't know what a lock-in is, that's both of our listeners. Um, it's, one of which is a, maybe a doctor, and the other one plays oboe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly Dr. Oboe. Um, and sometimes me, just to make sure there's no like crazy <laughs> sound glitches. I, But the lock-in, it's, it's basically... Um, it's on like a Friday or a Saturday. I think ours was on a Friday. You come at like six or seven and just stay overnight in the school. Like they lock the door so you can't get out, but um, that sounds like a horror movie. Um, <laughs> and there's, you know, there's some some faculty there, so it's not like complete chaos. And they, I think they kind of doored off, locked off the, uh, where like the lockers were. But you still had like both of the gyms, like a couple different like lobbies, uh, the occasional like classroom. Um, and... You just stay there from, it might have been like 8 p.m. to 8 a.m., something like that. So a full like 12 hours of just like chaos. And of course you don't want to sleep because yeah. you're like, we're in school at night. Like, this is awesome. Um, and it was just great. It was, it seemed like, like the entire seventh grade class was there, at least like everyone I liked. And I remember we played uh, two-story Capture the Flag, which oh, was great. So like one awesome. base was like on upstairs and one was downstairs. And I remember getting a lateral for my friend who had captured the flag, he was about to get captured, and like three people went to tag him, and he like threw it back to me, and then I caught it and returned it to the base. And I assume that counts as a win. I don't know. Again, half the memories. Exactly. Why are you? Yeah. Why are you having these? I don't know. They're, Purge them, they're fantastic dude. memories. I do remember making fun of a kid. Though, there you go. While uh, there was a teacher like sleeping, but she was wearing blue, and she was like sleeping on like a blue mattress. So I was like, 
I didn't even see her, and like she, she had like, like her hood over, and then she like took it off and was like, "Joey, that's not very nice." Apologize to him, and I was like, "Oh no, didn't see you there." Um, but just marvelous, and I I think I went without sleeping, and then immediately you know passed out when my parents came because it it really is like a two day commitment because you're spending the entire night up, and then the next yeah. day it's you sleeping, and then you're up at like seven again, and you're like, "Can we do it again?" And parents are like, "Please no." Can you imagine how horrible that is for the teachers? Oh, it's probably like, as a former teacher. That, that's the worst thing. If my boss came to me and was like, hey, um, we got to lock you in this weekend all night. You're not going to sleep. The kids are going to be wired. Uh, you have to do it. Dude, that... I mean, I noticed uh, at least most of the teachers I can remember that were there were... Were drunk? No, no, no. Were... Well, maybe. I, don't, I didn't really have a great drunk recognition when I was 12. <laughs> um, but... They were more of the younger ones, so I wonder mm-hmm. if it was kind of like a tenure thing, like, oh, you've only been here for like one or two years, or uh, maybe they volunteered, who knows? Cause they're, no way. No, you're right. no way. You're There's right. no Maybe they got a little extra on some for yeah. volunteered for payment. Um, <laughs> but who knows? I mean, they seemed like they had a good time. It was a, like one of them was our, our PE teacher, and he, you know, he loved playing basketball with us, so yeah. we'd just play like knockout and good times. You got a lot of basketball to do that, though. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, you really do. I mean, I still like playing. Like when I when I worked at the camp, like if we were playing actual fun games, if it was like teach this kid who can barely hold the ball above his head to shoot a free throw, yeah. like the proper form, I was like, no. Like the only <laughs> lesson I have for you, I was like, I'm like just try and keep it consistent. Like a free throw should be a routine. So like if you want to do like four dribbles and then you shoot, like do that. But I'm not gonna be like, hey, like I know you can't even like you're like barely like hanging <laughs> onto this ball. Like it's about to roll off your fingers before you shoot. Like. Try to what not does do kid that, have? Why was he so disabled? He was like five. Just oh. three young well, kids. He doesn't have any motor skills. Exactly. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> he, was That's still, he was still in the larval stage, so it's uh, it's rough out there, but it's crazy. Always a good life. But yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. This is by far the longest podcast you've ever done. So well, I can ramble. For well, sure. job. Hey, it's it's great listening. Um, I guess if you have any any final thoughts, you kind of you kind of gave yours earlier, so. Yeah, it's a uh, bit of a spoil, but I'm trying to think of if there's something negative I can wrap it up with. I got my one positive thing. Yeah. I don't know. Just uh, no. Just keep listening. Yeah, right. yeah, keep listening. Yes, Sweeney, thanks so much for joining us. We'll we'll get you back on here soon for more sad memories. Yeah, anytime. And uh, did you hear about uh, the kidnapping at school? No, he woke up. Get after it today, people.